It's a snowy December morning here in the Sangre de Cristo Mountains. And it's almost Christmas time. So it's a it's a hard time to book guests, I have found. And with AI in the news, I've decided to do two things I've never done before. I'm going to fly solo. I'm just going to record a an episode here in the Friendship Club Studios in Santa Fe without any guests. But I did enlist the aid of an AI robot named Bella from the UK. And it's going to be the last fresh episode for 2023, our first year of doing the High Desert Sobriety Podcast. And thought it might be... Uh, a good time to do a year in review, especially since I couldn't get anybody to come in the studio with me. So, let me see. I think I just push a button. She starts asking me questions, right? Is that how this works? Hold on. How did the High Desert Sobriety Podcast come to be? What a fantastic question, Bella, and good morning. From jolly old England, I'm guessing. You don't sound like you're from Texas. How did it come to be? How did it come to be? Well, um, the Friendship Club is a, we've been around since the late 1970s. We're a community center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, where uh, the, the main activity here is, is uh, recovery from addiction meetings. I cleared out seldom used janitor's closet in this 80-year-old building and set it up to be a Pretty snazzy little recording studio. Started interviewing alcoholics and addicts and others. So thanks to the support of the board here at the Friendship Club and the fact that it's become pretty easy to set one of these up and do it. Just takes work and imagination. Um, that's how it came to be. This will be about almost our 70th episode and it'll be the last new episode. We'll do a rerun next week during, uh, I think it's Christmas Day almost. And that's what's up. What is your next question, Bella? What equipment did you buy? Oh, well, I'm looking at it. We've got a person here at the club who donated sound deadening carpet squares. And I bought some cheap foam panels to put on the ceiling. Let me see. There was already a little built-in desk here. I got some good Audio-Technica microphones. I, I opted to go for dynamic microphones. If you start to set one of these studios up, that's one of the first decisions you'll have to make is which style of microphone to get, dynamic or condenser. And the difference, to oversimplify, is dynamic microphones, um, the closer you get to them, uh, example right here, the bassier it is, it's called proximity effect. If you've ever spoken or sung into a, your typical like Shure SM nightclub microphones, um, you get that very white, nice bass by getting your getting your mouth close to it. The other kind of microphone, main style, I would say, is called a condenser mic. They're powered. You have to supply them with phantom power, and they're great uh, for recording instruments. And for recording things at a distance, a dynamic mic is really for, in this application, for 
one speaker putting their mouth really close to the mic, and it kind of kills everything else. I chose that mainly because there's a parking lot, oh, about 50 feet from where I'm sitting. There's also a cinder block wall and some sound deadening, but I've noticed that uh, with the editing software I use with these dynamic mics, I've really never had to get rid of a, a siren or a car or motorcycle gunning its engine or or anything like that, the phone ringing in the next part of the building. They tend to capture what's right in front of them, and they sound really good if you get a good one. Uh, prices range from, you know, dirt cheap in this day and age to hundreds, and I would say these are somewhere in between. They're probably a couple hundred apiece. I'd be happy to supply more details if anyone's interested. What other equipment did I have to buy? Well, I had to buy the shock mounts and the arms to hold those microphones up from the desk. Uh, headphones. I got a couple of good pair of Sony studio headphones, closed backs that I were recommended to me by a, a fella in Texas I'm friends with who runs a recording studio. He said these were great bang for the buck. Again, I could tell you more about them if you actually give a shit. Um, and then to record, I bought a gadget called a Zoom PodTrack P4. I chose it for simplicity and because it sounds good and the price is good. You can plug four microphones into it. You can plug four sets of headphones into it. And you've got a volume knob for each of those eight items. It also has a nice feature where you can talk to somebody on their cell phone and you don't get that weird echo. Um, it still sounds like they're on a cell phone because they bloody are on a cell phone. And so um, they're other workarounds for that issue. That's the main thing that I had to buy was sound deadening, microphones, something to hold the mics to a desk, and a recorder to plug the microphones into. And, you know, there are other things that pop up along the way, cables and monitor speakers and stuff, but that's the heart of it. And I'm uh, picky about audio quality, I would say. For a couple of reasons. I'm a musician, and so I'm just impatient with things that sound like shit. As a podcast consumer, I listen to podcasts in my car all the time. There are hundreds of thousands of choices out there, and if the audio is really distractingly bad, I'll find something else to listen to. So that's something I felt that I could be as careful as possible with. You know, sometimes on the day, it doesn't go as well as you'd like. I always prefer to interview people here live in my studio in Santa Fe. But if they can't come, I've interviewed people in Los Angeles and Texas and I guess other places if I stop to think about it. And mixed results and it's harder work. So um, I think that's enough of that one. What is your next question for me, Bella? What equipment did you buy? I just told you that. What software do you use? Ooh, software. Good question. Mm. Ferrite. F-E-R-R-I-T-E. -E. Uh, there's a free trial version. I highly recommend the, oh, it's about $40, one and done. I wish everybody offered that where you could just buy something once and not have to subscribe or pay monthly because that, that gets to be like uh, if you've ever had a storage unit and you go, well, 19 bucks a month, I'll just hang on to all my old empty guitar cases and furniture I'm not sitting on. And after three years, you go... Yeah, I've spent 3000 bucks hanging on to a Jack Daniels mirror. I think it's time to let it go. Anyway, so Ferrite, one and done purchase, 
What is it? Well, I've got this little recorder uh, called a PodTrack P4 that I'm recording into right now. It puts the the recording on a on a memory card. When I'm done, I plug my iPad into the PodTrack P4 and I download the file into this software called Ferrite. What I use Ferrite for is to get rid of unwanted sounds, to get rid of, like I've coughed and cleared my throat a few times here. If I say something stupid or embarrassing, I can get rid of that. It makes it super easy to just erase, erase, erase any little artifacts or things I'd rather get rid of, or frankly, things that maybe if, and I always offer this to my guests, if they get carried away and tell a story about their, you know, a family member or something like that. And afterwards they go, you know what? Can you get rid of that? Absolutely. It's gone. And the ferrite not only makes it fast and easy, they don't pay me to say this. I pay them to use their stuff one time, but it sounds just excellent. You really, I've had guests who other than this one defect were terrific interviews, but they might have a quirk of going, uh, you know, a hundred times in the space of a half an hour. So I can get rid of all those uh, you knows. And they were just gone. It's done on a sort of oscilloscope, you might say, graph. And now it's gotten to where I can, I can visually see when somebody's going, uh, it's got sort of a thumbprint aspect to it. Uh, makes editing super easy. And at the end of it, it asks you if you want to get rid of uh, background noise. And it asks you if you want to make the levels consistent. I'm loud and not everybody that I interview is really loud. So even though I set the microphone levels, there's a um, computerized um, leveling or compression that I think sounds excellent. I usually press yes for that. And it also makes it really easy to upload to my next piece of software, which I'm very happy with. This is one I pay, I think 18 bucks a month. It's called Buzzsprout. And it's the uh, service I use, the host service. Um, it took, I don't know, it took some doing on the first day to set up all my options. And it took a few days of making sure that they had forwarded my show to, oh, let's say Spotify and Google and Apple Podcasts and 20 others that they just take care of automatically. So Buzzsprout is what I use to list my episodes and to distribute them through all those distribution channels. I think that's about it for software that I've purchased. I purchased Ferrite and I subscribe monthly to Buzzsprout. I think that's it. What other questions do you have for me, Bella? What software do you use? Good Lord. What's the theme music you use? Oh, the theme music I use is, well, it doesn't have a name. Um, my brother and I are both musicians. He's a harmonica player, or he he plays the misery whistle. Actually, he's very good. Hi, Bill. And I'm a guitar player. Um, I think I'm playing Dobro. You know what that is? Dobro is a resonator guitar designed, well, back in the Depression. That uh, It's got a real honky, metallic, bluesy sound, an acoustic guitar. So if you like the... Uh, if you like the theme music, that's uh, me and Bill and um, our rhythm section back in Los Angeles 
um, playing in the background. I'll take the opportunity to mention that I don't – I'm very careful about licensing. I don't use anything I don't own. So any photograph, any audio that you see on any of my podcasts, I own it. It's either something I snapped in my iPhone or it's definitely verifiably public domain or really I just avoid it. Um, I don't wish to be somebody who uses things for free. I'm a Beatles nut and I listen to Beatle podcasts and they'll just play long chunks of Beatle music. I'm like, man, first off, it doesn't seem right. And second off, it seems like it's uh, risky legally. So um, yeah, the theme music I use is, oh, it's just a blues chord progression. You can't really protect those. They're the same 10 ones everybody's been using for a hundred years and a recording that we made that I paid for. And uh, if history teaches us anything, Bella's about to ask me, what theme music do you use? What's the theme music you use? I told you that. What about anonymity? What about anonymity? What a great question, Bella. You're really impressive. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing a podcast about recovery. And it it uh, it does. It's a you know it's a good question to ask. What what about the anonymity aspect? So I looked into it before I ever did my first episode, and it seems to me that the rule right now, which I wish to respect, because recovery saved my life thirty two years ago and counting. If I don't say my name is first name, last name, and I'm a member of recovery program. If I don't <laughs> say that, it seems like I'm running a clear blue sky. I don't think there's any really restrictions or, or even things that uh, I'm asked to respect. Uh, also, I think it's to anyone who has misgivings. Remember that there have been things like the Joe and Charlie tapes around since, since there were tapes, not downloads. And so there's really nothing new about going on a radio show or a tape that's distributed at a recovery get-together um, where someone in recovery tells their story. There's nothing new about that and nothing uh, nothing dangerous, but I certainly don't wish to go so far with it that I brag about me and my last name and how you can look up my anything I've done uh, in, in the public realm that I'm <laughs> that might be for sale. Anyway, I don't want to boast about my recovery using my first and last name and the and the what I want to say, the recovery program that I'm a member of. So that's what, and, and when guests come in, sometimes I'll tell them what I just said there. Sometimes I won't bother because nobody ever says my name is, is uh, Joe Dokes and I'm a member of Gamblers Anonymous. It's never happened. Uh, if it did, I would, I would, uh, where's my, got another high tech piece of software here. Oh man. Man, did I lose it? Oh, it's going to bum me out. I got a noisemaker I use to bleep things. Crap. All right. If I find it after I finish recording, maybe I'll insert it. Um, yeah, so I'm careful about it, but I'm not neurotic. And probably going to end up bleeping. You're going to ask me about anonymity. Are there other podcasts recorded at the Friendship Club Studios? There are. We want to do more. There's the answer to that one. I have a couple of podcasts up and running that are not to do with recovery that are about showbiz. If you're listening to this and you want to come in and record your own podcast or audiobook, talk to us. We're very amenable to uh, 
to doing it and, and not making it break the bank. So, yep. How are the ratings so far for the High Desert Sobriety Podcast? Complicated question. Short answer. Excellent. Most episodes seem to be in the top 25% or at least top 50% of all podcasts, all of them, which seems crazy to me and it probably seems crazy to you, Bella in, in England. Here's what I can tell you. I happen to have a couple of uh, YouTube channels um, for other interests of mine that have nothing to do with recovery. I'm up to yes, definitely six figures of, of downloads and watches. I don't know. 100,000, 150,000. And so it seemed to me that those were the numbers to expect before I started my first podcast. Now I'm doing a podcast and here's what I learned right away. And here's the quick answer to that. If you drop a new episode, which we try to do every Friday here on the High Desert Sobriety Podcast, uh, good in a good day, we'll get 100 downloads. And it adds up. We've got about 6,000 listeners now because you know how it is with podcasts. You become... Uh, habitual, you subscribe, you like it, you keep continuing to like it, and you listen to the same one you've been listening to for the same series for you know a long time, months or years. So that's what happens. Uh, if if a new episode drops and gets a few dozen listens in the first week, that puts you solidly in the top fifty percent of all podcasts. Now, we're not talking about NBA games or you know, the latest episode of. Uh, you know, some popular TV show. Um, if we were, I would expect those numbers would be higher. But to be doing 30-minute interviews with addicts and alcoholics and others in New Mexico and to be in the top often 25% uh, of podcasts anywhere blows my mind. So I want to mention this. I'll try to remember to mention it at the end of the show. Our email address here is info at friendshipclubsantafe.org. Info at friendshipclubsantafe.org. We have listeners in 35 countries, 500 cities. I would really love to get some email, get some feedback from you guys, questions, anything else. Uh, it's not something I've pushed for in the past, but I'm just now getting my arms around this. As you know, when you put uh, – maybe you know – when you put a, a clip up on YouTube – there's the comment section, God help us, and people right away start responding. It's really not that way with podcasts. If you're one of our hundreds of listeners in Europe, thousands of listeners in New Mexico, uh, we're in 46 states. What is up with Mississippi, Alabama, North Dakota, and Delaware? I don't know, but we're in the other 46 and D.C. consistently. Yeah, I, th I think the ratings are terrific, but you manage your expectations and nobody's getting rich over here. Are alcoholics and addicts your only guests? Mm, no. We've had the uh, executive director of a large homeless shelter. Happens to be located a half a mile from, from where I'm sitting. I've had one or two episodes about debtors anonymous, people with money problems. Trying to get gamblers anonymous in here. Uh, cocaine anonymous. Oh, that's an addict. Okay. Um, so, yeah, it's it's most of our... Guests in person so far in the last, you know, 50 episodes have been addicts and alcoholics, uh, but not all. And it's not a requirement. It turns out recovery blends into everything in life, doesn't it? Alcoholics and addicts, your only guests. I told you that. Any advice to someone thinking of doing their own podcast? Mm, you'll see the same 
advice when you ask that question to Google. Do, do a lot of content. Do it regularly. Don't make them too short or too long. Half an hour seems to be good. Get the audio as good as you can get it to sound. You set the food out and you hope that people like it. That's been my experience. What are your hopes for the High Desert Sobriety Podcast moving into the new year? Yeah, um, I'd like to do 100 episodes. I started in about eight months ago and we've got about 65 episodes up. So I look forward to breaking that tape. Uh, having a hundred episodes seems to be, um, well, it's like a four minute mile or speed of sound for aviators. There are some numbers that just seem to put you in the next category. And one thing I've read that I believe is that all of the top 10% uh, of listenership podcasts have a hundred episodes. I've noticed this too, that, that I drop new episodes and teasers on Friday by the time next Thursday rolls around, I can look at the numbers and it's big on weekends because that's when people can listen and there's a fresh one and subscribers, you know, while they're doing chores or driving, what have you, listen to it. And when they're in there, they start looking around and they'll go, oh, there's an episode six months ago with somebody I'm interested in. Let's hear that one. So it, it brings people into the store. I compare having a lot of episodes to a record store. You may have gone in to buy a a Queen album, and then you see Merle Haggard, and you go, ah, love Merle Haggard. Let me grab that, too. When someone walks into the record store, so to speak, they pull up my link to High Desert Sobriety Podcast, and they see that, uh, you know, I've got an interview with 75-year-old guy. Let me see what he's got to say. And they look in there, and they go, oh, there's, a, there's an interview with a mother of four. There's an interview with somebody with a debt issue. Uh, let me listen to that one. It makes numbers from your previous catalog go up as well. So that's fun. So yeah, I want to get 100 episodes up. I want to continue to drop new ones every Friday if I possibly can. I'd like to get the word out. I really would like to hear from people. I mentioned this once before. So if you're in, if you're near or far, young or old, let me hear from you. Info at friendshipclubsantafe.org. This goes to me. Yeah, I'd like to have more interaction with listeners because we have 5,000 plus. Yeah, so uh, everybody be healthy and well. Keep coming back. Thanks, Bella. 